so excited to be nominated. It's just an honor to be nominated. Honor to be nominated. Hi, I'm Chandler. I'm Claudia. I'm Ezra, and collectively we are Abolish the Police. No, um, collectively we are honored to be nominated. A, I guess, not new podcast anymore coming at you every week. Uh, typically we discuss every film that's ever been nominated for an Academy Award, but uh, this week, in order to honor the Oscars, which when you are listening to this, uh, assuming you listen to this on the day it drops, as you all should, uh, <laughs> will be uh, on Sunday. Um, and we decided to do something kind of special. Uh, my co-hosts are very anxious, uh, but I proposed that we sort of take this as a special episode to discuss what we would nominate each category. So we're going to do the big five, right? Actor, actress, screenplay, act, uh, supporting both categories, director, picture, and then each of us are going to pick a couple of bonus categories to do. And we're going to give the five nominees that we would give. Uh, we'll talk about it and then we'll each say who our winner is. It's going to be a fun time to talk about some movies we love. Maybe some of them we've talked about here before. Maybe some of them we haven't. Maybe some of them are going to get a lot of Oscar love. Maybe some of them won't. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Just truly sticking with the theme of chaos this month. It, I'm I'm very nervous because my co-hosts are like, you're not going to like what I have. And I was like... I was telling Claudia before, she's like, oh, I nominated a movie you hate in a bunch of categories. I was like, there are only like three movies I hate this year. So Hillbilly Allergy better not be having a fucking Best Picture nomination. Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, let's just kick it off. Let's do it. Um, so we're starting with best, best Supporting Actor. Claudia, who are your five nominees? All right. Best Supporting Actor, I have Ben Mendelsohn for Baby Teeth. Glenn or Glenn? Glenn Terman? Glenn, I think. Glenn Terman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Jeremy Strong for Trial of Chicago 7. <laughs> Paul Racy for Sound of Metal. And because I literally just could not find a fifth person and I just, I know he's excellent and I he'll, he is actually probably going to get the Oscar even though I haven't seen the movie yet, I put Daniel Kaluuya for Judas <laughs> and the Black Messiah. <laughs> I know it's good, and I will watch it before the Oscars on Sunday, but I just need to, to, to fill in a spot. I'm being completely honest here. That's I a strong know. five. I'm not going to lie to you. Chandler, who's okay. your five? All right. <clears throat> for a Best Supporting Actor, I have Mark Rylance for The Trial of Chicago 7, because it's Mark Rylance. Um, I have Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, though he is not the supporting uh, but it's fine. I, I have Paul Rashi for Sound of Metal, uh, Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, also not supporting. Not but, even a little bit. But I, but my my I want I, I I wanted to give them some love, and my actor category is filled. So great. Uh, and then and then finally Sean Bean for Wolfwalkers. Hell yes. Some Hell yeah. Good nomination. And Sean Bean's great. We break the rules in this hour uh, no, Oscars. There's no rule on the no Oscars rules. that says that you can't, no voice performance has ever been nominated. But and it's a great voice performance. I think it is a great performance. Like, I would have nominated Robin Williams for the genie in the Aladdin. Yeah. I think oh, that's absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my five are Ben Mendelsohn for Baby Teeth, Chris Abbott for Possessor, Coleman Domingo for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, and Sylvester McCoy for The Owners. 
Okay. For what? <laughs> so the, the owner is uh, for the. I'm sure everyone but my two co-hosts <laughs> have seen this film. It is a British thriller on Hulu that's not very good. That is about Maisie Williams and her piece of shit boyfriend who break into an old couple's house to rob them, and then it turns out that the old couple are actually the criminals. Um, It's not very good, but Sylvester McCoy, known to most people as being the seventh doctor on Doctor Who, uh, plays the the old man whose home they break into and gives, like, such a fucking... Like, he's he's able to, like, never have the switch where suddenly he becomes creepy, but is, like, able to build the creepy over time. Yeah, good performance. Uh, Claudia, any, any of the people who you want to specifically highlight before we get to the winners? Um, I don't know. We both had Ben uh, Ben Mendelsohn for Baby Teeth, which him. is a movie a movie I didn't particularly enjoy, but Same. I liked <laughs> his. I liked quite a few of the performances, but the movie overall, I was like, "What am I watching?" Yeah, I think the screenplay of that movie you left it down. Yeah. Um, mainly because it kind of focuses on shit we don't really care about, but Mendelssohn, so for those of you who haven't seen it, Baby Teeth is about a a young girl played by Eliza Scanlon of Little Women fame, um, who has, I don't know if they ever established what it is, but has some sort of terminal illness. I think it's I, I think it's cancer, okay, of some sort because she has like the lump, and I think yeah. you know she so, loses her hair. So she has this like terminal illness that everyone knows is going to kill her one day, but no one's really sure when. Um, and she, for lack of a better word, falls in love with a local drug dealer. Um, ben Mendelsohn plays her father, um, and is just so nuanced and small and restrained. And I love Ben Mendelsohn as an actor. He's one of my favorite actors because I think he just always, he just always does what the movie needs without being flashy about it. And I think this one is just like, you get his pain without it ever becoming maudlin. Yeah, because the character is very complex because he's like a therapist or I guess a psychiatrist. Yeah. Whichever the one is able to prescribe medication. And he does. And so he's actually s- supplying quite a bit of the medication that goes into the drug deals and the, his wife is constantly fucked up on the meds and, and he's it's just, shooting it's, morphine and shit. And he's yeah. shooting morphine. Yeah, it's it's real tough. So he, it's a complex character, but like you said, it's so like nuanced and subtle. And you can tell that like he really cares about his daughter and like wants her to get better and wants her to be happy, but also is like, I'm not helping this situation in the slightest but doesn't really know what to do about it. So I just think it's a really good performance. Yeah. And both of you had Paul Racy, who's a, a performance I obviously love. I wasn't able to find room for him, but do you guys want to talk a little <laughs> bit about what, like what about Racy's performance stands out for you? Um, Go for it, Chandler. What does his performance? I, I don't know. He's able to give, because of growing up in the deaf community, he is able to give a, just sort of this very beautiful nuanced approach and performance to uh, playing a deaf actor, though he is a hearing uh, person that has this level of understanding and a level of wisdom uh, in his performance. This is really, really resonates and really makes that like movie sing. Um, 
because he's like he gives one of my favorite lines of the of the film, which is like sort of the 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 you know the pinnacle theme of the film is like have you found that stillness and i hope you find that stillness which is just really like and he delivers it really beautiful and i don't know he's just fantastic in the film yeah for those of you who haven't uh, seen it paul racy plays the um head of the rehab center that rizomed's character goes to and uh paul racy himself as Chandler mentioned is hearing but both of his parents are deaf and so he identifies as a deaf person who can hear um, which Death is with a, a lowercase d. Yes, which is a, a nuanced thing in the community that I don't fully understand, but um, does a lot of uh, like deaf theater and things like that. And this is kind of his breakout film role uh, and plays the the recovering alcoholic who uh, deaf man who is in charge of the um, rehab center. Yeah, I mean, for me, which is I mean, obviously, I agree with everything Chandler said, but for me, I'm just always so fascinated and intrigued by characters and actors that use sign language just because it's that like merging of movement of your hands really and communication and I don't know it's just it's so so brilliant the way that he's able to like you know keep the eye contact and like his character reads lips so he doesn't always have to use sign and he he, I think he does speak actually right he speaks as he signs sometimes so yeah but like he does it so seamlessly and so beautifully between the two, it's just you know captivating for me. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just he's he's really fantastic in, yeah. in that role, and is able to make what I think in a. I mean, like I think that we'll talk about that movie a lot. I suspect. Yeah, but I think I what's great about that movie <laughs> is that it could become really maudlin and really like, be- like quote like beautiful with quotes around it. And like trauma porn in a way that I think that yeah. really I think that like everything about the movie prevents it from being there, but especially racy. We think in a lesser movie would become like here's the wise deaf man who's going to teach this kid about the ways of life versus like the way racy plays it. He's just like yeah, like he is somebody with a lot of knowledge, but he's not like a god. Like he's not like a genius. He's just like I've done this shit before. And he literally yeah. like what his character asks of Riz Rizamed's character is literally just sit and write. Yeah. And if you can't, yeah. if you can't write, then sit. And if you can't sit, then write. And that's it. Like, it's literally meditation. Yeah. It's literally, like, mm-hmm. being present. So it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Well, and he also, I think Paul Racy really understands what that movie's about. It's because it's, the, the movie's a, it's a lot more about more than, I mean, obviously, but it, it's more than just, like, the death struggle. It's more about, like, just life in general. And I think he really mm-hmm. understands that. And, like, is, it's like, all right, cool. Like, this is what this film is about. Let's do it. Um, one of my actors um, who I want to shout out is Chris Abbott in Possessor, who Chris Abbott is an actor who I didn't know who he was before this year started, um, but then turned into two of my favorite performances of the year in Possessor and in Black Bear. Um, and it's just like a kind of working indie character actor, but in Possessor he plays, for those of you who haven't seen it, Possessor is a film I have a lot of problems with, but it is about a, it's a science fiction film about a corp, type of corporate espionage where uh, essentially corporate spies can tap into your subconscious and take it over and possess you. So the vaccine. Yeah, right? 100%. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chris Abbott plays the person who gets possessed. And so what's interesting about his performance is that he has to both play him, like he has to both play the character, then he has to place this other person playing the character mm. in a way that is like really kind of like amazing to watch because you are always able to tell when it, because then, like, the procedure goes wrong and, like, he's it's, like, a battle for control, right? And so, like, you can always tell who's in control just by his physicality 
um, mm. which is really like a, a cool and I think subtle thing that we don't shout out enough. Uh, anybody else want to shout out? Daniel Kalu was incredible. Yeah. 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 Uh, amazing, Claudia. Who was your winner? Paul Racy is my winner. Oh, good for him. Good for him. Good for he him. Got Claudia's Oscar. <laughs> Congratulations, Mr. Racy. What an accomplishment! Is it uh, Racy Chandler? or Racy? I think it's Racy. Racy, really? Yeah, yeah. I've heard Racy. Okay, uh, Chandler. Who is your winner? Um, my Oscar for Best Sporting Actor goes is going to go to Daniel Kaluuya. Okay, amazing. Do you want to say a couple words about? Well, <laughs> Though I don't think he is the supporting role in this film. Though maybe he is in some regards because he, he is absent for some, most of the movie. I think he's kind of co-lead. Uh, I just think his performance is really, really captivating. He really is. Um, he's really able to get to like the heart of what kind of made Fred Hampton like so powerful. If he's just able to convince everyone. And so he's able to convince you as the audience as you're watching the film that that like and like buy into everything that he's saying. And so it's just, I just think it's a really, really impressive, incredible performance from him. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, like his speeches are some of the best moments in film this year. It's, it's incredible. Like it's just so fun. Um, my That's winner great. is uh, Coleman Domingo from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, Coleman Domingo is another one of my favorite actors. He's and incredible. I think he is able to, so he plays the band leader and he's just having to like, be the peacekeeper but also have his own pov and he's like never the asshole but he's never the ally and you're never like he really just seems like he's just trying to keep the band together and he's like both fighting with viola to keep chadwick in the group but also fighting with chadwick to be less of a fucking asshole yeah and like the true yeah. peacekeeper role yeah in yeah a way, in a way that i think a lot of other actors could kind of like that role could disappear but coleman domingo without ever stealing focus is able to like really give this character an arc and i think he's just like an amazing amazing uh performer um, yeah absolutely amazing all right all right Act- actors in a supporting role all right Chandler, on. do you want to kick us off who me yeah since you said <laughs> yeah you oh uh, okay so um <laughs> Um, I'm not for actress in a supporting role. Are please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. Um, I have because memes. I have Maria Bakalova for uh, Borat, subsequent movie sequel. Um, I'm going to butcher a couple of these two names, and I apologize about that. Uh, Han Yi Ri for Minari, and Yu Zhang Yun for Minari. Both, I think, are supporting because I think the kids that lead. Um, Olivia Cook for Sound of Metal. Okay. And I, she's fantastic. Get out of here. Incredible. Um, and and uh, again for the memes, Eva Whitaker, who plays Maeve in Wolfwalkers. <laughs> I love it. Is she supporting though? Yes, because it's Robin's story. Okay. Okay. I don't no, know either code, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going, like the Oscars do, I'm going real loose. <laughs> okay. Real loose in these categories. Supporting, not supporting <laughs> bullshit. So they're real loose and off the top here. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Claudia, who, who are your nominees? All right. Here's where we get, I think, maybe a little crazy. I have Miss Allison Brie for Promising Young Woman. Okay. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Essie Davis for Baby Teeth. Is that the mom? The mom. Um, Taylor Page for Monterey's Black Bottom. Yes, yes. Polly Draper 
for Shiva Baby. Also the mom character. Okay. And Olivia Coleman for the father. Amazing. I think what I, I'm like, I don't fucking care. I do think uh, Shiva Baby missed the cutoff. And so I think it's next year. But Did fuck it? it. Who does? Who, who who does care? Um, okay, this is this is what I was talking about. Where br- no rules. No, there are no rules. Uh, my, if Shiva Baby had been eligible, Rachel Sunnell might might be in my best actress lineup. Anyway, um, my nominees for best supporting actress are um, Alexis Chikazi for Miss Juneteenth, Diane Weist for Let Them All Talk, Han Yi Ri for Minari, Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, and Olivia Coleman for The Father. Amazing. I just looked it up. Um, Shiva Baby was released on April 2nd, 2021. <laughs> so fully not eligible, but fully represented in my category list. Amazing. Look, it's a good I looked movie. It up and it said, I, I looked it up and it said 2020 movie. So I figured it was good, but life, whatever. Life is a, life is a sham. Um, uh, time is a construct. I love that you both have put Olivia Coleman in your supporting because, spoiler alert, she's in my lead. Oh, interesting. Okay. 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 Yeah, well, because like I mean, a large yeah. portion of the film is about her. One thousand percent. Yeah, I think that's a fair category place. But I was a little surprised that when she wasn't in your lineup, you were like Olivia, and I was like, oh great, and you like Cook, and I was like, oh no, she, oh. oh Olivia Coleman does great work in the Father. She is in my leading category. Amazing. I was I started to be like, is Chandler just boycotting the Father in every category out of protest of having to watch that, that movie? I, I love the movie. I will never, never. watch it. Not, not a one time. Never, ever, ever. I might watch it again. Clockwork orange, my eyes open <laughs> for me to watch that movie again. It's fantastic. Watch it. It is a torture to watch. It is like low key, like a horror film. Which it is. And it's we love. Horror film. I love. High so key I will horror definitely film watch it again. Can't trust your own memories. And that is scary. Terrifying. And I don't want that in my life. Um, Everybody does good work. I'm proud yeah. of you. No, no more. Uh, Chandler, do we want to, uh, since I think you and I, this is the first podcast we've recorded since you and I have watched Minari. Do we want to talk about the Minari women a little bit? Because uh, you have yeah. both uh, Han Yiri and uh, Yilin Jun, right? Yeah. So spoiler alert, one of them are going to win my Oscar. Um, I'm going to decide on the fly because I think both of them are really, really, really I also good. haven't decided who's winning yet. <laughs> I, really, I haven't. I'm just winging it. I, you're going to tell me who wants, and I'm going to be like, this person. Um, but it's one of the two. Um, they're fantastic. I mean, I think they make the film. Um, you know, they're, they're, I think, the supporting roles in the film, even though it's kind of hard to say, because I think the, the movie's kind of about David, the young boy. Um, but they're fantastic. I mean, they they make the film. I mean, in, in every way, shape, or form. Stephen Yoon does great work, but these two women are came to, came to slay. Um, and to the point where, like, the movie I've kind of, you know, like it's a film that you've seen before. It has like very similar elements to a lot of films um, in a way that like in some te- sometimes feels a little slow and a little bit like, yeah, okay. But when, when these two women are on screen, it's really just, they're just, they're just knocking home runs out of the park. Well, and I think uh, I totally agree with everything you just said. So um, Lee Lung Jun is about, ooh, I'm sure we're going to butcher all these names and I apologize. Um, it's sort of the smart money to win the Oscar right now, which is, I think, super deserved. And I think her performance as the grandmother is amazing. But I, what I love about Han Yi Ri, which is why I nominated her over Liu Zhang, is that I think if you're playing the fun, wacky grandma, it's really easy to, to, to kill it. 
playing the kind of reserved mom who doesn't show a lot of emotion is, I think, a much harder thing to make sing. And Han, like, in a... I have some problems with, with Minari that are a lot with the screenplay, yeah. but I think that in a less good actor's hands, the mom becomes the bitch in this movie in a way that Han Yiri never lets that happen. You're always like, no, she's kind of right. <laughs> like, well, I kind of... Yeah, hundred percent. But I also like I also love um Yoon Jung Yu Young Jung's grandma because she's she's kind of a different grandma than we usually see because she's kind of useless. Yeah. <laughs> because like David's kind of right. She's kind of a useless piece of trash that just sits and watches TV all day and then like makes fun of his broken penis. Um but like it's so fun and like really endearing to watch her just like watch wrestling. Yeah. And, like, the advice, I mean, I guess I guess this is, like, the character, but, like, is able to, like, both be kind of, like, as you said, Shannon, David is right that she's not, that she kind of doesn't behave like we would expect a grandma to, but also is, like, you're, like, objectively, this woman is giving you good advice, you should listen to her and learn something about life, young man. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a very fun performance. Um, but, yeah, Hun, yeah, Henry Eerie, I think, is needs a little bit more credit for her role because it's a little bit more subtle. It's a little bit like not as obvious, but it's a really, her performance is really, really stunning. She kind of acts, I kind of think she acts circles around Mr. Sh- uh, Steven Yun. I don't know if acts circles around. I think he's very good as well. I, I think he's fantastic, but she's knock out of the park. She's incredible. Uh, Claudia, any of your nominees you want to highlight? Um, I would just like to talk about Miss Taylor Page from Ma Rainey's oh. Black Bottom. Who was in the oh, news yeah. today. She started dating Amanda Lissenberg. We stand. Oh, we love. Did not. St- I don't watch the news. I don't keep up with pop culture. Um, okay. Other than this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, she's, I think she's a fa- Like, I don't know too much about her. I don't know if I think this is like one of her first roles. Question Wait, Claudia, mark? have you not seen Wade's? No. So Wade, oh, is that, that's what that's what Sterling K. Brown, isn't yes, it? So she plays his I daughter. Need... Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, my heart just stopped. And then what's her name um, from Hamilton? Is the mom? There's uh, the, uh, quite a few and, from and Hamilton. Angelica. Great. Her real name is slipping my mind, but oh my god. Okay, I need to Your watch that movie. Yes. Yes. Um, no, I mean she's just. Like it's a very small role in the movie. Um, she plays Viola Davis's love interest, um, who's significantly younger than Viola Davis. So at first I was like a little confused, but then like she just really like owns her fe- her like femininity. She owns her sexuality, and she just is so grounded and so sexy and so just like. I don't know, just like the her voice sounds like butter and she just is stunning. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm running out of adjectives for how amazing she is for <laughs> such a small, almost like like kind of unimportant role. And I like I say that like carefully because, you know, it's important to the story, but like it's definitely a subplot, a if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, a very small role. But mm-hmm. I think she does great work with it. Um, and I hope this launches her further into her film career. Yeah, I, I think I think what's cool about all of our nominations to pat ourselves on the back a little bit is that we all kind of chose at least a couple of more subtle performances. 
as mm-hmm. compared to like I think like there were a lot of like very good like you know big performances this year, but I think all of us kind of went with the with the smaller one. So on that sort of note, I want to shout out Diane Weist for Let Them All Talk, which is a movie that I feel like people aren't talking about as much as they should. Um, it's on HBO. You should go check it out. But um, it's by Steven Soderbergh, and it's about uh, Meryl Streep, who is this successful novelist who is afraid of flying. And so she takes this cross-Atlantic boat cruise to go accept an award and invites along two of her oldest friends, played by Candace Bergen and Diane Weist, to join her. And which and they haven't talked in like 40 years and then you come to find out that Candace Bergen's life story was sort of plagiarized by Meryl Streep for her novel, the one that got her all the award. And so there's like all this like drama. But then Diane Weiss just sort of plays the like third friend who's always kind of the one left out and is the one who like, you know, Candace Bergen, it was never as successful. She wants to be in Meryl Streep is like famously, it's like hugely successful versus Diane Weiss just like normal successful. And she's like just like very content and is just like, you know, just really is able to hold space and give these amazing, like, monologues about life because Lucas Hedges plays Meryl Streep's nephew, who's, like, their keeper, essentially. And she just has all these great scenes where she's just, like, telling Lucas Hedges about life. And you're like, I just need Diane, two-time Oscar winner Diane Weiss to sit me down and tell me about life, you know? Tell me about life. Same. And it's just, I would, if you haven't seen it, let them, it's, like, 90 minutes. It's, um, like, a really just, like, just good actors acting movie, yeah. which is what's it called again? Let them all talk. Let them all talk. Okay. My man. I also, want, I also want to shout out Allison Brie just because <laughs> her performance is just so fun. Yeah. And I feel like you know it's not what the Oscars would recognize as like um a supporting role like nomination, but it is in my book, and I just think she plays like that sloppy drunk character not as a stereotype. Like, she's still sloppy and she's definitely still drunk, but she has her own way of showing it. And she she kind of holds herself together in that, like, bougie, I'm better than you with my nose up throughout the the decline of her getting drunker and drunker by the minute. Yeah. It is so interesting. It's just really good. Alison Brie is an actress who I've loved since Community. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me that, like, this year she was like, my new type is <laughs> fucking assholes. And you're like, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. I didn't see that one coming, Allison. But as you were, I suppose. As you were. <laughs> um, it's. I just think it's great because she's not like conventionally like yeah. beautiful, like what society says beautiful is. But she is still like uh, drop dead gorgeous and like so sexy. And yeah, she was just like, I'm gonna play the hot bitch now. That is just the worst in all of the films I'm in. And you're just like. Okay. Um, I also, and Charlie, you can speak on this as well. I want to shout out because you and I both nominated Maria Bakalova, who I think you said for the memes, and it is a meme, but also like if you think about what that actress had to do, that actress had to have a coherent character while improvising with Rudy Giuliani while being sexually harassed on camera. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like it's for the memes in, in, in so far as like, that movie is I don't know if it's an Oscar film. But, but she might win. She, she might, might win. Well but she might win. She does great work. I mean, she really, really commits to that part more so than even like Sasha Bear Cohen. I think she's really like like in it. I mean, so like as far as acting goes, she's committed. She's doing the work. You know what I mean? And so like I don't I don't 
you know, in that regard, so much as in that regard, like, I don't want to say that she doesn't deserve the Oscar because like, if you're talking about the merits of an acting performance, like she does exactly what she needs to do, you know, she gets the job done and she does it really well. All right. So who'd you give the award to Chandler? All right, let's flip a coin and give it to... All right, Ezra, you convinced me. I'm going to go with Han Yi Ri. Amazing. The Oscar goes to Han Yi Ri Priminari. Claudia, who's yours? Great. I'm giving this award to... I'm. You know, I'm going to change it on the spot. I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to give it to Taylor Page. <laughs> That's crazy. It's uh, crazy. I love that. But I love it. That is In crazy. What? Again? what? In what again? Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey. Right, right, right. That's right, 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 right. like yeah. eight lines. That's I love it. Eight lines. It's, I don't care. She does nail those eight lines. She does. That is crazy. I uh, originally had Olivia Coleman, but part of my list is I want to spread the wealth a little yeah. bit. And I yeah. Yeah. Um I didn't pick a winner for the there are two categories where I didn't pick a winner just because I could kind of give it to everybody. Um I think all five of these performances are incredible. My split second decision is I think gonna be Olivia Coleman in The Father, which Ooh. is just like it feels like the boring choice, but also it's just like such a good fucking performance. Yeah, like, it's I didn't want to be the boring choice. I, I'll say it. I didn't want to be the boring choice. <laughs> it's a fantastic performance. But no, it's it's incredible. Yeah. You want to talk about a little bit, Ezra? Yeah. So like yet. for those of you who haven't endured The Father yet, which is an incredible movie, um, Olivia Coleman plays Anthony Hopkins' daughter. Or it does she. Um, but she plays Anthony Hopkins' daughter who... Um, is sort of having to deal with everything that he's going through. And it's just like, I mean, I think Olivia Coleman is like one of our great actresses, right? Like, I think Olivia Coleman kind of is never bad. Like, no. You know, it's and kind of, for her to be bad. It can kind of do everything. Where like she started off as like a sketch comedy actress and is now like giving like Shakespeare levels Shakespearean um, and it's just like such a good, like she's so grounded and she's so British. Like it made me remember, no, it made me remember like watching my my British grandmother and like talking to her about her parents who who died of of dementia, and like, um, or rather her father who died of dementia, and like, rem- like listening to the way my grandma talked about it is the same thing as like watching Olivia Coleman. It's just so restrained and it's so kind but also hurt and it's like it's just like lived in and it's like sometimes you can tell when actors are acting for an Oscar and I think what I love about Olivia Coleman is that she never acts for an Oscar despite the fact that she has like won one and is could very well win a second one this year uh, it's just so like I'm just doing what I'm doing and I am I am on screen and I'm acting and you're like, it's just a really beautiful performance. Totally. Yeah. So um, our next category is screenplay. I know there was some confusion about this. Chandler, do you have one category or two? I have one. Okay. Claudia, do you have one or two? I have I have one. I only did original screenplay. I didn't we think we do. were doing adapted. Okay, so not bad. let me just do adapted super quickly because I thought we were doing uh, both. No, go ahead. Um, so my nominees for adapted screenplay are Charlie Kaufman from Thinking of Ending Things, Florian Zeller for The Father, Mark Crowley and Ned Martel for The Boys in the Band, Mike Markowski for Bad Education, and Ruben Santiago Hudson for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, 
just some, I think, really masterful works of adaptation. Uh, yeah. My winner is Florian Zeller for The Father, which is one of the best screenplays I've seen in years. Just like a really just like next level piece of writing, I think. I knew before you were finished that you were going to say The Father. <laughs> I mean, like, who else could it, like... Yeah. You know? So I also, uh, I can go next for original screenplay because I didn't realize that was a, an adapted screenplay so i have the father in my screenplay category <laughs> no, because just like the globes the globes are just like it's just best screenplay exactly yeah. and also chaos okay so my uh nominations for best original screenplay with an asterisk are um sound of metal absolutely the father soul shiva baby also not eligible but no rules and Black Bear. Amazing. Okay. All right. <clears throat> the nominations for Best Original Screen. I'm kidding. Uh, I have Judas and the Black Messiah by Will Pearson and Chuck King. Uh, Minari by Lee Isaac Chung. Um, I have The Five Bloods by Spike Lee and some other people. Uh, the Sound of Metal by Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr. And I have Trial of the Chicago 7 by Aaron Sorkin. I am shocked Chandler I am shocked let me have trial well because I would have put the father in there but it's 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 adapted no 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 no. that's not what I'm shocked about let me give you my nominees my nominees somebody yes you are you're missing a huge one uh my nominees for best original screenplay are Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr for Sound of Metal Lawrence Michael Levine for Black Bear Sam Levinson for Malcolm and Marie Teresa Icoco and Claire Wilson for Rocks and Will Collins for Wolf Walkers. Chandler, what the fuck are you doing? Let's <laughs> see. Uh, I, I wanted to. This is, my, this is my. This is my attempt to spread the wealth. Okay. The Wolf Walkers is about to get a very big award, and so I didn't want. I didn't want this to be. I also have. I have like eight. Like I also put Sean Bean in best That's supporting true. and. So like it's I didn't want I didn't want you guys to be like top three screenplays of the year. It's it's really good. It's really <laughs> I mean like you know beat for beat it does exactly what it needs to do. It's got a great screenplay. But I didn't want I didn't want this to just be like the Chandler <laughs> the Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Walkers hour. I was just saying. You know what I mean? Like because I, I, I thought I thought that I would lose some credibility if I'm just like um um Wolf Walkers and Wolf Walkers and Wolf Walkers and Wolf Walkers like, has wanna... now become Chandler's new Lord of the Rings. Well, let's not let's not. <laughs> Uh, I'm, you know, I'm still a man of, of standards, but, but like, and so I wanted to like spread it out a little bit. Sure. I didn't want, I didn't want this to be like, all right, Chandler, we get it. Wolf Walkers is good. Well, it is that good. I would actors and put it in the screenplay. The screenplay is the second best part about it. I agree. I agree. But I, I don't know. Like if, if you're, if I'm being honest, like remove Trial of the Chicago 7 and put in Wolf Walkers. Yeah. <laughs> But but that's not. I'm giving I'm giving I'm giving the Oscar to screenplay to someone else anyway. So I was just sure. like, fine, I'll just give this a nomination and it'll be okay. And for the purposes of yeah. me better like, following the rules, I'll swap out the father for Malcolm and Marie. I forgot about that one for sure. a second. So yeah. But but what yes, I I think and I can make a very strong argument if you want to DM me that Wolf Walkers is the best movie of the year. I think not. But. But like, I just I wanted to be reasonable. I didn't want to be too Chandler about it and just be like, "Lord of the Rings wins every Oscar." You know what I mean? Claudia, any of your nominees you want to talk about? 
Uh, now that we've talked about Wolfwalker Chandler's favorite movie of the year. Best movie of the year, not just my favorite. I don't know. You could talk about... Uh, I, I mean, I watched Black Bear a while ago, and then I, like, in my panic to, to get my list together, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I watched that movie, and it was good. Let me throw that on for a screenplay. Um, but I yeah. bet you can talk about it a little bit better and more intelligently than I, I can. Think, so, so Black Bear is a hard film to describe, and I don't want to give a summary, because I think the act of giving a summary ruins the movie. Ruins it. It does. It is one of the most innovative and fearless screenplays I've seen in a long, long time. Um, and just as I think the father is a... I think the father and Black Bear are very similar in that yeah. they are feats of masters of structure, deconstructing structure. Yeah. And there's this thing they tell you in writing classes where you have to understand the rules in order to break them. And I think that Zeller and Levine show that to be true. Of that, like, there are a lot of, like, really great experimental films out there, but you're like, what? I don't know. Like, I love I'm Thinking of Ending Things, but also, like, what the fuck, Charlie? Like, what, what, what's going on, man? What are we doing? Versus, like, Levine and Zeller are so good at knowing how to structure commercial films, they're able to completely fuck with them in ways that, like, truly leave you... You don't know what's going to happen next because they pull the rug out, out from under you so effectively. And I think... It's like a really triumphant uh, screenplay. And I think, just continue that, I think the flip side of that is Sam Levinson from Malcolm and Marie, who never pulls the rug out from under you, but I think really is like, this is just a film about two people in a room talking. And then is able to, I think, make that engaging. And I know there's a lot of disagreement about this, but I think he doesn't really pick a side. In a way that I think a lot of people think he picks the man side, and I think that's a, in my opinion, pretty big misreading of the film. Um, but is really able to just depict people instead of without endorsing them. Is able to show you the nuance and the rage and the heart of people who love each other having really really nasty fights, and is able to leave you. In my opinion, I know everyone doesn't feel this way, but in my opinion, leaves you to take your own conclusions. Which is what I love most in writing, which I think is also true of a lot of these films, most specifically Sound of Metal. Yeah. 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 Should we get into our winners? Uh, sure. Traylon, who's your so, winner? So, speaking of Sound of Metal, the Oscar for Best Screenplay goes to Sound of Metal. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? I mean, I think that. So, like I said, I think Wolfwalkers is the best film of the year. I think Sound of Metal is the second best film of the year. Um, kind of. Bar none. I think both of them are like leaps and bounds above the rest of the films this year, kind of unquestionably, um, at least in my personal opinion. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think Sound of Metal's screenplay is, is, is just beautiful and it's brilliant. And I think it it um, it really sort of grasps what it means to not only be like, quote unquote, disabled, but like what it means to just be a person in life and like have go through changes and experience different things. And I think it's just a really, really, really well-written screenplay. Yeah. Claudia, who's your winner? Um, so if we're playing by the rules, I would give this to Malcolm and Marie, but since it's chaos, I actually am giving this to ship a baby. Hell yeah. Talk about it. this. 
I loved this movie. Okay, interesting. Mostly because I think I'm not Jewish. I have a Jewish last name, and I my family is not Jewish, but I grew up in a pretty dense, populated Jewish area, and a lot of the people I went to school with were Jewish. So, like, without practicing personally, I understood to a certain extent, a lot of the culture and a lot of the traditions. And this was, I felt like literally pulled from a scene out of like Mm -hmm. my high school days. Like it, it was just, and I was like, I know that person. I know that person. I I've been in this situation where this person has asked me that exact question. And it was just, it flowed so well while also being staccato because everything is so like fast and and snappy but then like you understand exactly who everyone is you un- and like it, it I don't know it just like it broke sort of the like stereotype of like Jewish people while also you know like sticking with the 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 culture and sticking with like the traditions but everyone was still like very individualized I felt and the conflict was just hysterical i love that the entire thing the entire screenplay like takes place in one location i think that's really interesting and builds builds the tension really really well Hmm. i don't know i just i'm a i was a big fan of this movie (laughs) yeah it's very cringe comedy which i think people's um taste for varies mine's pretty low if i'm being honest I, i love cringe comedy um you should, if you like comedy, Claudia, you should watch Bad Trip on Netflix. Just watch that last night. It's very, 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 very cringy. It's like Borat-y kind of. Okay, yeah, yeah. I have been staring at my five for the, as both of my colleagues have been speaking because I have no fucking idea who to give it to, and I could give it to four of my five. I think like I think this was a really good year for original screenplay, and I think there were like eight others I could have nominated here. Mm. To, what I'm going to go with today is Black Bear. Um, I could go with a different one tomorrow. Um, but today the answer is Black Bear, just because I think for all the reasons we've talked about, it's just a really beautiful little film. Uh, let's Do we want to move on to Best Actor? Let's do it. To it, Pruitt. Uh, Sorry, who's on right. the Best Actor list? Let's move on. Apologies, my... Mother's dog is freaking out. Um, I'm at my mom's house because we lost power this morning. Also following the theme of chaos. Okay, great. So uh, best actor? Yes, that's what yes. we're on. All right, so my nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Duh. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Duh. Quiet. I'm going to kill myself. Um, Bo Burnham for Promising Young Woman. Best lead? Yes. Fuck uh, it. Okay. Fuck it. Okay. <laughs> There's no other lead. There's no male There's lead. No male lead. Yeah. So we throw him in there. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Of course. Duh. And Chris Abbott for Black Bear. Amazing. Jantha. All righty. <clears throat> for my actors in a leading role, I have Riz Ahmed for A Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Stephen Yoon for Minari, and 
Delroy Lindo for the Five Bloods. What the Oscar Five should have been. I think it's like one of the best, if not the best, best actor year in like decades. Uh, but what's interesting is that there are kind of only, I would say, like realistically six or seven who you could actually like argue for, with the exception, I guess, of Bo Burnham. Uh, but um, I think Chandler did did list the Oscar five. Um, and so I have the ones everyone has. I have Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Chadwick Boseman for Marmony's Black Bottom, Rizamed for Sound of Metal. I have Delray Lindo for The Five Bloods. And then my fifth slot is Mads Mikkelsen for, for another round. Um, another actor who's never bad. <laughs> no. He's also never bad. Um, yeah, what a good category. It's hard to talk about. I mean, because like... This is just like good. Uh, you like, yeah. They're some of the best performances of all these guys' careers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I need to see the five bloods. It's so good. I mean, even, even Mr. Anthony... Sir Anthony Hopkins, who is literally never been bad I mean, in that's a role. not true. That's not true. But but to be fair, is one of like the, the great greatest actors. actors. You know, I mean, gives maybe his best performance ever, which is a thing to say about Anthony Hopkins. Yes, the, a man who has played Hannibal Lecter, Titus Andronicus, and King Lear might have topped himself in The Father. <laughs> and that's crazy. An elderly man with dementia, but yeah, he's just, just like I'll fucking burn it. the thing down. And and like Chadwick also gives just a a stunning performance. Well, and I, think, I mean they're all. I think Delroy Lindo from from The Five Bloods gives a such a nuanced performance. Riz Ahmed gives one like. I mean it's just absurd. It's an absurd year for these like these men actors just came out to like swing. And then fucking Gary Oldman got an Oscar on Um I absurd. But I would say I would say so a, a couple things is that one I think what sucks about the Oscars is that because Chadwick's going to win and Chadwick's winning everything, I think a lot of people have turned on that performance because it is, like, boring, right? It is boring to have one actor win every award. Like, that's just, like, a boring thing to happen. Okay, I thought for a second you were saying the performance was boring, no, and I was no, no, like, no. what? Is that, like, yeah, like, especially in a year there is so much good work, is that would it be great if, like, I would love, like, what's happened with Best Actress is that a different actress has won every single award. Like, that's what I wish was happening with Best Actor just because there's so much going on, but, like, Chadwick does put in objectively the best performance of his of his career and like one yeah. of the best performances I've seen in a long like it just is like next fucking level. Um but yeah. super quickly, actually I mentioned Delver Linda, who I also nominated, I think is incredible. And I, I nominated him. He was he was he was in my five, and then I swapped him out for somebody, and then I listened to an interview with him where he said uh the sort of one of the big climactic moments of the Five Bloods is when his character breaks the fourth wall and starts giving a monologue direct to camera. And uh, I discovered that he improvised that. No, he did not. That wasn't in the script. But he... that monologue is very like... Uh-huh. He has to be lying. Because that monologue is very like poetic and lyrical yes. and... Yes, yes, apparently he yes. just... Apparently there was just one take. They didn't do a second one. Spike Lee was just like keep the cameras rolling and he just fucking talked and like he's climbing over everything and that that he just did that did spike give him some direction no, on no. that monologue apparently he was just like yeah i just felt it but I is also he a writer like what Same. Well, so I, just felt Lindo, I discovered this was like originated multiple august wilson roles was like one of august ah. wilson like he was ah. 
in the original production of Joe Turner's Come and Gone. Wow. Oh, that's cool. How old is he? I mean, he's, I think he's like in his 50s or whatever. You know, he's like... Um, and I think he was like, that was when he was like much younger. But like, right. is a, like, a very like stage Shakespearean August Wilson actor. And mm. he was like, yeah, I, I just went with it. And then a storm, he's like, yeah, a storm was brewing in the background. So I knew we couldn't do more than one take. And thank God they, they kept the camera and the sound rolling. And I was like, Damn. that, I was like, I have to give this man an Oscar nominee. Like, this man deserves an Oscar <laughs> nomination for writing. <laughs> like, Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for best screenplay. That's wow. crazy. He's fantastic. If you have not seen The Five Bloods by Spike oh, Lee, God. it did not get a lot of, like, Oscar coverage no, or press. No Oscar nomination. Yeah, it, that's, which is absurd. I, I don't know why they hate Spike Lee so much. It's very good. Go watch it. Yeah, amazing. Um, All right. Claudia, who won for me? Let's see. I need to review my notes. Uh, Bo Burnham. No, just kidding. Um, Could you imagine? (laughs) No, I'm giving this to to Riz. I just, I like not, no hate to to Chadwick. And like, obviously we've, we've been saying his performance is incredible. He's going to get the Oscar anyway. He's going to get the Oscar. So in just an effort to spread the wealth as we've been talking, um, yeah, I'm giving this to my main man, Riz Ahmed. He just yeah. is just, he plays broken and hurt, but also determined and lost, like, all at the same time, plus, like, 20 other feelings and emotions. And it's just so incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Chandler, what about you? You me go? Yeah. Um, I'm also giving the Oscar to Riz Ahmed. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I kind of think, other than maybe Anthony Hopkins, which I think is, fa- un- is kind of unfair to compare because he's Sir Anthony Hopkins, I think Riz Ahmed gives the best performance of the year. I mean, I, I think his performance is incredible. I mean, it's stunning. And the fact that he is able to, what appears, he is able to grasp the sort of the nuance of, that performance while still being a hearing actor and is able to give such a compelling, because I don't know, I don't know if you can play this role as a non-hearing actor. I don't, I mean, that it seems kind of impossible, but he's, I mean, Riz Ahmed's just, I mean, what more is there to say? Like, he's just incredible. He's fantastic. I and mean, I really hope Ezra also gives him the Oscar, but <laughs> I know that he's not, I know that yeah. they're not, but it would be great. But I'm just, I'm, I'm genuinely curious and I don't know, like if we're, allowed to say this because we don't want to speak ill of the dead but like it would go to a raise how, if how would, was, would like, i don't i think it would go to anthony 100%. but i also wonder if the wealth would be spread a little bit more it throughout the categories and like again chadwick deserves this and chadwick obviously needs to be recognized and you know because this is his last role on screen but i'm just you know I, i'm curious as to how this would have played out had he not passed you think, but Anthony already has a couple Oscars, right? He has one. Only for um, for Silence of the Lambs in the early nineties. Yeah. Okay. And he's All pretty right. old now, so like he yeah. might be on his way out too. So. <laughs> All right, Ezra. What you so got? I'm torn. I had who I was gonna go for going in, 
and the conversation made me kind of want to go for a different one just to make the show more entertaining. No, do Riz. My window is Riz ahead. Like hell it's, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like an incredible. Performance. It's an incredible performance. I mean, it's stunning. It's one of the greatest performances of all time. It's it's amazing. But I really just feel like Sound of Metal overall is like sort of underrated this year. Like I feel like not a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, so it's talked a lot about on film Twitter. I would say. That. Okay, sure. Um, are they, I, they they live it? Oh, they love it. It's I'm talking more like gen- general population. Like I feel like no one knows about this movie, and I'm like, I you mean, need to. I mean, again, like I said before, I, um, and I'll probably say it again later in the podcast. If Wolfwalkers didn't exist this year, I mean, I, I think Sound of Metal is the best film of the year, other than Wolfwalkers. I mean, it's it's an incredible, incredible film. Um, Wolfwalkers is a little extra, you know what I'm saying? That being said, is that like this is I would say the category where I most wish I could have a five way tie. Like I think that oh, yeah. Hopkins, oh, yeah. Bozeman, Lindo, Mickelson, Ahmed all deserve an Oscar for their work. Like I think they all do like Oscar winning work. And yeah. yes, yes, yes. I mean, this pull is like a, I think the hardest category of the of the. I kind of agree. pull a Mean Girls and start chipping off 100%. the award and like <laughs> you get an Oscar, you get an Oscar. Uh, do we want to keep it moving? Yes, let's move on to Best Actress. Um, Chandler, who are your nominees? All right, Best Actress in a Leading Role. I have Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Olivia Coleman for The Father, though we, you know, she's moved around. I have Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Uh, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Pretty close to the Oscar five. Yeah. Uh, I'm missing one. Yeah. Because I only have four. <laughs> and like, I guess yeah, I mean, I read for Mank because she's good in Mank, but Mank is just so boring. But also, she's supporting. She's in that yeah. movie for 15 minutes. Is she also, only in that movie like, for 15 literally. minutes? Well, that's the only, pay, that's only part I paid attention to. So. Correct. Bad movie. It is the, it's not a bad movie. It's just a boring No, it's good. I, it's so boring. I was so bored. Um, okay, for Best Actress in a Leading Role, I have Ms. Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, Rachel Sennett, or Senat, I think, for Shiva Baby, and Aubrey Plaza for Black Bear. Um, I've seen Rachel Sennett perform live and is next level. She's insane. Uh, yeah. Um, she is hysterical. I loved it. Uh, my nominees for Best Actress are Audrey Plaza for Black Bear, Jasna Dunikok for Corvada Saida. I definitely mispronounced that name. Uh, uh, yes, a movie we all know and love. Yeah, it's, it's nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Film. Uh, Jesse Buckley for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Julia Garner for The Assistant, and Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie. Incredible. Good list. Good list. Um, just to talk a little bit about Kuovada Saida. Yes, please. Um, so Kuovada Saida is a movie that not a lot of people saw, and then it got nominated for Best International Feature. And then a lot of more people, including myself, caught up on it. And it is about the uh, genocide in Bosnia in the 90s. Um, and it focuses on this woman, played by the actress who I nominated, who I'm not going to try and pronounce her name again. Uh, <laughs> who is a, she is a UN translator. Um, and for, for like the UN refugee camp and becomes aware 
um, through her job, through working with them, that the UN is essentially about to pull out and abandon all the refugees to be massacred by the uh, uh, opposing army. And she is des- and so the entire film is her desperately trying to get her uh, husband and two sons out of this camp before the UN pulls out. Um, mm. It's an amazing, amazing movie. Not for the faint of heart, but an amazing, amazing film that, like, fucking people are calling it like the new schindler's list which i think is really apt like a really just like a wrecking moment about one of the great travesties on the international scale um and jasna just plays it with such rage and such anger and like is a unstoppable and it's like what when does an unstoppable what happens when an unstoppable force meets an unmovable object and so it's just this woman desperately trying to navigate this bullshit bureaucracy that might that if she doesn't achieve her objective her kids and her husband die and it's just like an amazing 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 performance cool. alright so anyone else we want to talk about I mean no I mean everybody's great Everybody's good. Um, I mean, like, yeah. Um, okay. Do we, we all have? Did we all have Viola Davis? Did you I have didn't. Her? I switched around at the last second. Okay. Um, one other person who I want to shout out, just because I think this movie is also kind of underseen, is Julia Garner for The Assistant, which is one of the first films I saw in 2020. I saw it in movie theaters. Uh, Whoa, that's that. Things existed. Whoa. I saw this movie literally in January of 2020 and she has been on my best actress lineup since. Um, Wow. And for those of you who haven't seen it, the assistant is um, the day in the life of Harvey Weinstein's secretary. Oh yeah. We talked about this in our 2020 in review. And Julie Garner is an actress who I absolutely love. She's uh, won an Emmy for Ozark. She's just like, I think one of our great sort of up and coming independent actresses and is able to take this movie is objectively boring this movie objectively there is no conflict there is no climax there is nothing it is just how shitty would it be to have to work for an abuser and it is just her literally half the movie is her making copies or like washing dishes and Julia Garner is able to make this sing in a way that no other performer I think could and it's an absolutely astounding performance. She deserved an Oscar nomination. And I hope that she carries her on to bigger and better things. I think she's one of our finest young actresses. Yeah. Um, I think if we, if we're going to shout out people, um, I, I, you know, I usually am very hard on, uh, I'm, I, I was very hard on Miss Frances McDormand from three billboards. <laughs> a trash performance in that. However, I think in Norman, Nomad land, she gives a really, really beautiful, like nuanced performance and like really makes that film. I was so listening in case to someone. Think I hate her. I don't. I just hate that movie. I was listening to someone talk about Nomadland. They were saying that if any other two-time Academy Award-winning actress was in that, we would every headline would be about how she de-glamed for and like oh. Versus Frances McDormand, you're like oh yeah, this is just what Frances McDormand is like. You know, like, which is like, she is. like is it's not like working class drag with her, even though she's like a very wealthy awarded celebrity, right? But like that's kind of her type is like yeah, working yeah. class older woman like down. She on looks her like someone. Like I, I genuinely don't think I would recognize her on the streets. 
Yeah. Like, like I think she could pass me by and someone could be like, yeah, that was Frances McDormand. And I'd be like, oh, I thought it was just another middle-aged white woman. Yeah. All right. Who's your winner there, Cloudier? Who's my winner? My winner is Miss Zendaya. Oh, what a great performance. I just, I want her to have an Oscar. So that's like number one. I know she'll eventually have an Oscar. Yeah, she's 20. But like, fuck it. I want to give her an Oscar young. And that performance is just so, we keep using this word, but so nuanced. It's just, it does so much. And like the fact that she's able to like switch back and forth between like, enraged to then very passionate to then very subtle and calm and like like it's nothing like it's just a light switch for her and she just commands the screen like i completely agree with you ezra that like i don't think that this film really takes a stance but like i side with zendaya she's (laughs) she's right um but yeah people who are saying that like the film objectively sides with the male character, I think, are just wrong. Correct. Well, and, like Zendaya gives like what I think we can call an acting class performance, in yeah. that like you can just turn on any of her scenes for an acting class and be like, just do this, just do that, well, and she's going like, to be a good actor. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, who's your winner? Um, I'm going with the easy win here, and it's going to be Viola Davis in Mom Rainey's Black Bottom. I mean, incredible. It's just it's it's fantastic, and it's just Viola Davis doing August Wilson. What more do you want? What more do you want? I mean, I, I check, please. Thanks. Check, please. Uh, my winner, unsurprisingly, is Audrey Plaza. I think that movie. You go along, you're like, oh, this is an amazing performance from Audrey Plaza. This is really great. And then the last ten minutes happen, and you're like, oh, so Audrey Plaza is a completely different actor than I ever thought she was. She's capable of things that I did not know she was capable of. Mm. And weirdly is better than Meryl Streep. Like you go from like, oh yeah, this is a really great Audrey Plaza performance. This is, this is the best performance of Audrey Plaza's career to like, is this one of the best female performances of the past 40 years? And like with one monologue is you, it goes from being a great performance to like a hall of fame performance in one monologue which i think is like almost no other actor can do and she's just such an interesting like actress because she can play the like weird quirky girl but then she can also play like kind of creepy and kind of Mm -hmm. seductive and then she can also play like really hurt and grounded like she doesn't really have and i think for a really long time hollywood and people were like really putting her into a box and like saying this is your type don't go out of it and she's been just like fuck it i'm gonna do my thing and i don't really give a shit what y'all think but yeah she was my runner-up it was between her and zendaya for me black bear wasn't nominated for anything by the actual oscars right? absolutely no, no. <laughs> they were like we're good i don't think even we're good it. we're all the way good on this uh do we want to move on to director director let's do it All right, Chandler, why don't you, Ezra, you haven't started us off because you like to be last and different. Start us off on this one. Um, Red. So this is about to get a little crazy. Uh, Uh My nominees are uh, Florian Zeller for The Father, 
uh, Lawrence Michael Levine for Black Bear, Sarah Gavron for Rocks, Thomas Wittenberg for Another Round, and Spike Lee for David Burns' American Utopia. Okay. Which okay. is, for people who haven't seen it, the filmed version of David Burns' Broadway show. Ah, yes. I remember you telling us about this. So you nominate him for that, but not Five Bloods? Uh, I do more than nominate him. Oh. <laughs> the tea. Gag. The tea is piping hot. Gag. Oh, yeah. All right. My nominations for Best Director are Sam Levinson for Malcolm and Marie, Emil, Emma Seligman, 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 I think. Yeah, yes, I think so. for, for Shiva Baby. George C. Wolfe for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Florian Zeller for The Father, and Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal. Great lineup, Chandler. All right. I have Spike Lee for The Five Bloods, um, Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal. Um, I got Florian Zeller for The Father, um, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and because Ezra jumped down my throat on the last cat, well, two categories ago, I'm changing one in the fly to Tom Moore and Ross Stewart for for Wolfwalkers. Who was your original nominee? Um, Emerald Fellner for Fennel for Promising Young Woman, which I, I think is directed well, but like, I mean, yeah. sure. Well, I didn't. I was trying to like not make it the Wolfwalker hour. And so I, you said, you know, whatever. And so I'm, I'm changing it on the fly. Great. Um, um, Ezra, can you talk about rocks? I don't, I haven't heard of this movie. And if you did, I forgot about it. Uh, I've told you to watch it like four times. So rocks is a, uh, a British independent film um, that nobody had really heard of. And then it got nominated for like eight BAFTA awards. Okay. Um, and so I and a bunch of other people caught up on it because of that. Um, it follows a uh, young uh, black working class girl in London um, who has to look after her brother after her mother has a mental health episode and disappears. Um, and it's just sort of this girl whose name is Rox, um, just sort of trying to navigate an increasingly difficult world for young black girls. Um, and it's it's on Netflix. It's like 90 minutes. It's part of a, a style of British filmmaking called social realism. That's attempting to be as hyper-realistic as possible in order to raise awareness of the situation of the working class, uh, which is a style that I really love, but um, it's almost been exclusively used for the white working class. And so this is one of the first times that I've seen this style applied to people of color. And it's a really interesting sort of look inside um, Black working class people in London, and that's very specific subculture and like and then gets into all the nuances of the, like, it's different if you are Trinidadian or if you are Dominican or if you are African or like where, uh, what, where, like where you are from and like goes into each, each different culture kind of equally well. And it's just beautifully shot and sort of very human, which is what I love in a, in a film. Love, 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 love. All right. Well, Ezra already sort of gave away who they awarded, right? Okay, Are you yes. giving I'm, this I'm, Spike I'm Lee? It's okay. So, um, I mean, it's very well directed. So this is to me because I was trying to think about why was I was trying to think about why it was so ridiculous to me that Hamilton got nominated at the Globes for a film, but David Burns' American Utopia feels like a film to me, and I think it's because the goal of the direction of Hamilton 
is, and I, I think Hamilton said like, re- I think like the the pro shot is like really horrifically directed because like they don't let you fucking see the dancers. But, no, not at all. Um, Can we please pan out. Um, but the goal of that is to sh- is to make it feel like you are in the audience of the Broadway play, versus Spike Lee, who has done a lot of these Broadway pro shots, and I think is like the best at doing it. His goal is for it's almost he almost shoots it like a concert film, and so you are seeing th- like he puts the camera in the ceiling, and so he's showing you shots and he's showing you backstage and he's showing you things that you could never ever ever see if you're doing it, and so it elevates it from being just a simple filming of a Broadway play to me to being a film and being a documentary and being like a, a look into the art of performance and is just some of the most, I, I don't think since Jonathan Demme did another David Byrne film, Stop Making Sense, has there been this good of a concert film. Um, yeah. And I think, I think Spike Lee is one of our great American directors. And I think he's specifically one of our great, directors of because he, he does this a lot of like filming broadway shows i think he's one of the i think he's the best in the business at it. and well and i will say you know to your credit i think that it probably in some ways is the his filmed version is probably in some ways better than watching it live like it has to be, yeah i mean because it's so well done so well shot and he like puts the camera behind parts of the set and so it's like all about perspective and you're seeing these like small captured moments of like the, the performers glancing at each other and smiling. It's just a really beautiful humanistic uh, look at what it means to be a performer. Which I love. I love Claudia, who is your winner? My winner is uh, Florine Zeller for the father. Um, Great. So I can, yeah. In terms of like spreading the wealth, I, I think the father is a masterpiece, which we've been talking about throughout this episode. Um, but I re- for me, what really stands out is the direction, just because the way that it shifts and like breaks the rules of time and space and so seamlessly to the point where like you as an audience member are Feel almost like question- yeah, almost questioning what is real, where are we? Like, oh, is this really how you know people with dementia live and this is awful and like it really just puts you in that place like i as we use the term like trauma porn and it 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 low-key is just because you're fully immersed into this man's disease and it's heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and the direction i think really captivates that and yeah just it's just so well done and just the way that the, the shots were set up, I think, was just second to none. Like, just so yeah. good. Um, I'm glad that you said that um, and that you <laughs> gave that Oscar because I was going to decide on the fly. And so now I have decided on the fly. Since you gave that to the father, I'm going to give this to Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal. He's amazing directing. The Makes sense, yeah. Amazing directing. His first directing credit. Wow. Wow. And I'm really, I mean, so he was a, a very successful screenwriter beforehand. Uh, sure. but this is his first directing credit, and I'm very excited to see what he does next. And um, at least the well, Darius Martyr is the only one credited for director, but for screenplay, it's Darius and Abraham. Are they brothers? Yeah. Are they partners? Brothers. Brothers. Cool. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, amazing. 
So what we decided we were going to do now is we would each prepare a couple of bonus categories. I went ahead and did every category. Um, oh, you're God. crazy. So I'm going to let my colleagues go first, and then I'll just run through all of mine, and we can fight because I have some crazy ones. Great. Uh, Claudia, what bonus categories did you choose? Okay. I chose um, to do best animated feature and then best original score. I hope they're original scores. <laughs> I didn't. Claudia's, Claudia's uh, animated feature one is. I also did animated feature. Okay. I also. I mean, and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna award the wrong one, and we're gonna fight about it, but it's okay. No, we're not gonna award the wrong one. We're gonna get into it. Let's do it. I'm I'm excited. All okay. right. So for best best animated feature, I have Soul, obviously, uh, Wolfwalkers, Double, obviously, Over the Moon, great, really loved it. Yeah. The Willoughby's, really loved it. Okay. And then, okay, I have a movie called The Wolf House. I've heard it's amazing. It is incredible. The Wolf House? Why? The Wolf House. Okay, so it is an experimental Chilean film. It is an experimental Chilean and German film. Uh, from 2018. 2018, but it was released in America this year. So I'm, that's what that's my justification. That's not, okay. <laughs> that is my justification. I have a backup in case you guys want to cancel. Me. I mean, I've I mean, it. It's it as looks crazy as nominating Bo Burnham for best lead actor. So go on with your crazy. Go stuff. on. I've looked it. It looks insane. It's it's okay. Well, first of all, my backup is A Whisker Away, which is a very cute um, Netflix anime uh, film. That I really like. It's about a girl who turns into a cat so she can be closer to her her crush. It's really cute. Um, so, the Wolf House. It is not only stop motion, but it's also hand drawn. So it's hand drawn and like claymation stop motion. The entire thing is stop motion. It took five years to make. Yeah, clearly. The. It looks scary. It was terrifying. I definitely didn't understand all of the like political innuendos that are going on because oh, the the first <laughs> you need to watch it. I also want our listeners to know that we are recording on April twenty first. So I watched this movie last night uh, while I was partaking in in legal activities on a certain holiday. Um, so <laughs> Wait, that's your choice. Yes. This terrifying stop motion. And it's all, it was like, it's literally like a horror film in animation. So like it brought together all of my favorite things. Therefore I have to award it for best animated feature. (laughs) But again, if we don't, if, if we want to cancel me and I need to follow the rules, then of course this goes to Wolfwalkers. But you all I, need to go no, watch. Wolf House is the eligible. Wolf House. It is eligible. Thank you. Okay, it's, it's eligible. It's crazy. I mean, it is the fact that one of us rolled in here with an experimental Chilean art film that is about and German politics, and it's not me, is crazy. It's crazy. But I respect. I mean, it's not a. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Chandler, it's do real, you want Ezra. to do your animated feature since we're on it? Ezra, I think you would love it. You need to watch it. it. Like something I would either love or not be able to deal with <laughs> yeah it sounds like a lot it looks it looks it looks like it, a lot the wolf house 2018 it looks terrifying um um and i i, I don't want to i don't want to say that i'm sure it's great i don't want to say that but to quote 
Miyazaki here, it looks like the abomination to life. Like it looks disgusting. That, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty accurate. Um, all right. So for animated feature here, uh, we all know what I'm going to pick, but let's just go ahead and hit hit the nominees. We got Onward um, by Dan Scanlon and Corey Ray, Over the Moon, Stole, and Wolfwalkers, and the. Oscar goes to Wolfwalkers because, of course, it goes to Wolfwalkers. Um, I think all these films are really good. I think Soul is really, really fantastic. Um, I think it's some of Pixar's best. I think Onward is really fun. I think Over the Moon is really fun. But I mean, I think, and I, I'm gonna die on this hill. Hand drawn is just the best form of animation. Okay. I mean, I just bar none. It, it. I think the way that it, there's something about the way that hand drawn captures life, um, that I think is just kind of uncapturable in CGI um, and in, in computer animation. I think it's just kind of unparalleled. Um, and the way that specifically studio, uh, Cartoon Saloon that is clearly getting its influence from Studio Ghibli captures... Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the way that they capture life and and animate life is you know, is unparalleled only to obviously the master Miyazaki. So yeah, I mean, Wolfwalkers all the way. Um, just super quickly, I did every category. I only have three <laughs> animated feature nominees, uh, which were Wolfwalkers, Soul, and Over the Moon. Wolfwalkers is my winner. Yeah. Claudia, hit us with score. Hit us with score. Okay. For best original score, I have Nomadland. Um, this is my only nomination for Nomadlands. It, you know, just not my style of movie, but I like. I also, you know, if we were if we were being crazy like Ezra and doing every category, I would nominate this for cinematography and you know visual effect, not visual effects, um, art direction. Like it's just it's beautiful, but for me the score really does stand out. Um, yeah, I have Shiva Baby on my score Your list. Favorite movie. My favorite movie. Um, it just uses like the violin really, really well. It's like, and it's very, uh, just again, going back to that tension that it builds. It's like, dee, dee, dee. and it's like, it doesn't match what's going on, but it does. It matches internally what's going on, but not externally. So I just think that's really fun. Um, I have Soul for obvious reasons. Uh, the Father, which I think um, sort of similarly to Shiva Baby kind of does that like, creepy uh, internal music versus the external music and then black bear okay yeah my uh my score nominees are soul mank wolf walkers tenant and minari with soul being my winner yeah i oh yeah i, I didn't say that i give this to soul <laughs> because like yeah <laughs> amazing chandler what was your other bonus category um, so my bonus category is kind of a meme category because I, uh, I'll explain. Um, I'll explain. <laughs> my other category is sound, but I only have one nomination because I think that any, and to nominate any other film is insulting to, to, to sound design in general because I, it's sound of metal. Great. I mean, cause I think it, to nominate anything else is just a joke. I mean, Sound of Metal sound design is impeccable. It's the best sound of any movie I've ever heard. Um, my nominees for best sound, I do have more than one. 
uh, are no, fuck you. Uh, Sound of Metal, obviously, which is my winner. Uh, then Soul, I think the way it uses sound design is really incredible. Um, Nomadland, um, the sound designer of that film recently took his own life. Um, and so before he could see the success the film got, and because they were using it almost entirely non-professional actors, they wouldn't be able to go back and get anything afterwards. So he had to make extra sure to get all the sound live because they couldn't go back and put anything, um, which I think is really incredible. That's my only nomination for Nomadland. Uh, the Assistant, which uses sound in a really cool way. And then David Byrne's American Utopia, which is a, a live concert film. And so they have to like be live mixing sound and shit. But yeah, Sound of Metal is the best sound of the year. Truly. Um, great. To, to run through the categories we haven't done yet. Uh, my nominees oh, for best song are... Okay. So... Running this- with the Wolves. Can we... Can we- <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually. So can we make a quick pause here and, and tell our audience... Um, Ezra came up with the idea for this episode and told us to only do the big five, do supporting actor, actor, actresses, uh, director, picture, screenplay. And then they just like, just do those. That's all we need. And then now is coming in with like, um, actually I did every category. So <laughs> just so the audience knows and is fully aware of what's happening. Go ahead. Ezra. Um, so as we've established before, my, our, my go-to rule with best songs, it has to be used in the film. Um, because Correct. it helps the story. I did break that rule with one song, but we'll get to it. Uh, my nominees are Ultra Luminary from Over the Moon, uh, Rocket to the Moon from Over the Moon, uh, okay. Wuhan Flu from Borat's subsequent movie film, uh, Husavik, okay. my hometown from Eurovision Song Contest, and my winner, and this is the only one that is not used in the film, this is the end credit song, but I do think that specifically because of the way this movie ends, the end credit song becomes part of the film. And that is Green from Sound of Metal. Green from Sound of Metal? Mm-hmm. I don't even remember how that goes. It's go, go, it's go listen to it. It's beautiful. And I like, especially like going from the silence to that. That's why I rewatched the ending today is that the way the transition from the silence to the song, I think is like a key part of the story because like the song is very distorted and kind of distant. Mm. Um, um, but we should give a special shout, right? Yeah. To Running with the Wolves. Running Which is the, the best, the second best use of music I've seen in a film this year. Um, I mean, it's, but it's not eligible because it's not an original song. Because They somehow it, found this perfect pop song that just fits beautifully into the story that I need to choreograph a dance to immediately. And, and it, it's has, incredible the best animation of the film during yes. that song. Yes. Um, that sequence is incredible. Well, you can't take that song out in the film. So no. sense. And so I would say like that I've been a lot, I've been for many years, a big proponent of adding a music supervision Oscar. Cause I think the choosing existing music is a really key skill. I would say that running with the wolves would be my nominee in that one, but also my winner would be uh, come my way from baby teeth, which is the song that she turns on and just starts vibing which is one of the most like transcendent moments i've seen in a long time um to keep the madness going my nominees for are best you really doing every category 100%. right now oh my, uh, God. my nominees for best effects are possessor tenant the invisible man welcome to chechnya and sonic the hedgehog what is this for best visual effects Visual effects? So Visual he, effects in Sonic the Hedgehog are really good. Here's my thing. Is Sonic the Hedgehog 
my winner. No, but they made those poor fucking animators redesign this motherfucker in like two months. I was going to put that because of that specific reason in my animated features list. Um, Just because, you know, the original design that they made them do for Sonic the Hedgehog was so terrible that it broke the internet. And then these poor animators had to be exploited for like months just to fix the design and reanimate the entire film. I didn't know about any of that. That's crazy. So go look, go Google right now, Claudia, the original like Sonic design. It's terrifying. Um, And then Google what the, what the film now is. Um, Which is insane because like, can we talk about that for a second? Why do you, why do you change the design of Sonic the Hedgehog? The entire appeal of Sonic the Hedgehog is the design of those characters. It's a brilliant designed character where all the games, except for like the first two were trash. I mean, I still played them, don't get me wrong. But, like, the 3D games are so notoriously bad that it's, like, a thing on the internet. But, like, the what, why people keep buying those games is the design of the character is brilliant. And then they just yeah. this creepy... Like, yeah, so the OG, like, looks like a terrifying stuffed monster. animal. Yes, it's terrifying. And the second one looks like a cute little thing that... Like Sonic like, the Hedgehog. Uh, like, yeah. like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> wow, hate that. <laughs> So what's your winner? Sorry, Ezra, uh, we went off. Of no, my winner is uh, Invisible Man, which is a, I'm a big fan of indie special effects um, and the what they do. That movie is just amazing. But what they do with the- That movie the... sucked. What? That movie was terrible. I couldn't finish it. It was so bad. Oh, I fucking, that, that movie rules. I love that movie. Oh, I hated that movie. That's interesting. Crazy. Um, Anyway, but I, I think the, the effects in that movie are amazing. Uh, moving on, my nominees for best editing are Black Bear, David Byrne's American Utopia, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Sound of Metal, and The Father. My winner is The Father. The editing makes that movie. Um, yes. My nominees for best hair slash makeup are Borat's, Borat's subsequent movie film, Emma, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The winner is Emma. Nominees for best costume design are Emma. I'm thinking of ending things. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Malcolm and Marie and Mank. The winner is Emma. The nominees for best production design are Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mank. Quavida Saida. The assistant and the father. The father wins. The way they use production design makes that movie. Makes that movie. My nominees for best documentary are Class Action Park. Collective. David Byrne's American Utopia. Disclosure and The Mole Agent. I really wanted to give this to Disclosure. I had to give this to David Byrne's American Utopia. My nominees for Best International Film are Another Round, Cuvada Saida, Collective in La Llorona. My winner is Another Round. My nominees for Best Cinematography are David Byrne's American Utopia, Mink, Possessor, Lover's Rock, and The Assistant. And the winner is David Byrne's American Utopia. Shall we move on to Best Picture? Let's do Let's it. I'm actually going to change one of my best pictures right now. All right. We love an overachiever, Ezra. We love it. Do we? Do we? Okay. I'll go first since I'm already talking. My nominees for best picture are Malcolm and Marie, Shiva Baby, Sound (laughs) of Metal. You all need to go watch Shiva Baby. Uh, Clearly. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Father. Wolfwalkers and Black Bear. Chandler? Mine are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Wolfwalkers, Minari, uh, Nomadland, um, um, sorry, Sound of Metal, 
Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Soul. Mine are Another Round, Black Bear, Buffaloed, The Five Bloods, David Burns' American Utopia, Malcolm and Marie, Rocks, Sound of Metal, The Father, and Wolfwalkers. Hell yeah. Put that Wolfwalkers on there. We're- we all got Wolfwalkers. I love it. <laughs> um, should I go first since we know what mine's yeah. going to be? Yep. Yeah. Wolfwalkers. <laughs> Wolfwalkers but- is the best film of the year. I mean, it just... Uh- yeah, fight me. I want to save Claudia till last because I'm terrified about what she's about to say. Uh, she's gonna say Shiva, baby. I, I bet money on it. Uh, bet money on oh, it right no, now. No. She no, is. I, she's, she's, I'm not. I'm not gonna say Shiva, baby, because I was again confused about the eligibility. But you know, I love that Claudia okay. is like this 80 minute independent New York feature that was made for like. $30,000 that is not eligible. Every category. There's no category. Every category. Where it's, it's, I'm surprised you're not the best film in the year. Um, have a girlfriend. The girlfriend. Um, yeah. The girlfriend. I should have nominated the girlfriend. You're right. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my Oscar goes to Wolfwalkers. I think Wolfwalkers um, is the best film of the year. I mean, kind of bar none. I think it's just, it's, I mean, the way that it, it is the new Studio Ghibli, I think, that start Cartoon Saloon. I think they're really trying to paint themselves as the new Studio Ghibli since Hayao Miyazaki's like 89. Um, though that's that movie may be coming out eventually. Um, but I mean, I think, I think the way that Cartoon Saloon in this particular film and Studio Ghibli is able to capture life and make it look more real than real mm-hmm. is just kind of incredible. And I, yeah. I think Wolfwalkers very much deserves it because it, even on the bare, bare minimum that their villain is a Christian colonialist makes it real fun. <laughs> but yeah, Claudia, you want to save Claudia for last. Ezra, who's your winner? Uh, my winner is Black Bear. I think there are a lot of really great um, nominees. And I think this has been a really, a lot of people say this is a bad year for film. I think this has been a really good year for film. Um, but no film has sort of punched me in the face as much as Black Bear. And that's what I look for in a movie. Claudia, who's your winner? My winner is Sound of Metal. Amazing. Great. We got all yeah, three. That's, okay. It's good. my that woo. That's my favorite <laughs> film of the year, I think, is, yeah. is Sound of Metal, just because I don't know, it's just it's really, really well done, as we've said so many times in so many different ways. Well it gets I mean it, I, I, like Sound of Metal to me, kinda like Soul, I think gets to what life is about in a really deep way. Um and I like I said before, I think Sound of Metal would be the best film of the year if Wolfwalkers, Wolfwalkers didn't exist. I mean, I think Sound of Metal is just stunning. Yeah. It's so beautiful. The The end alone is one of the best endings I've ever seen in a film. The end is literally takes your takes your breath away. It makes you want to not be a hearing person for a second. You're like, wow, is hearing, a, is hearing the disability? It's like, whoa. whoa. It's incredible. Anyway, please sound off in the comments. What's your favorite film? What's a film that we missed? Do we have comments? Yes. On the Instagram? Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> Go to the Instagram. If you, if you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. You're a real one. And you deserve you deserve an Oscar in an our Oscar. Oscars. Uh, if you... I have actually... Um, Claudia, are you making edits to this? I'll, I'll have to make a... a okay. Yes. You'll probably have to cut this out, but on a lesbian dating app, I ended up talking with the producer of Shiva Baby for a little bit. <laughs> Leanne knows her. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm like, I I need to know these people. I'm excited about their next one, which is about a like two lesbians in high school who decide to lose their virginity to each other. I love it. Um, that sounds cool. fun. Should we move on to what have we been watching? Oh yeah, let's do it. We're doing what that. have we been what have we been watching? I don't Are have that, that sound cue ready. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. I was not expecting this because all I've been watching are is are these movies for this podcast episode. But I did watch I have fallen into the Ted Lasso. Yes. Uh, uh what do you call it? Rabbit hole. Uh-oh. I watched the first I think 5 episodes in one night because it's so good. Okay. You should watch it Chandler. I think you would yeah. love it. All right. All right. All right. Other than that, that's all I've been watching. I've been watching Ted Lasso and these movies. So that's it. Taylor, what have you been watching? Um, what have I been watching? Um, uh, um, my my partner and I, uh, she's never seen uh, Breaking Bad, so I've been rewatching Breaking Bad with her. Um, and it's it's fun watching with a writer because i i always thought that this show was like an actor's show i think it's a writer's show because like i think the script is what makes this this show sing and it's incredible i mean it's the uh, probably the best written show on t- uh, like ever been on tv i mean you know everybody knows that cold take so good. and then cold yesterday take. uh being yesterday i watched um um bad trip which is eric andre's like borat-esque film if you like cringe comedy, it is the cringiest of the cringe. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's wild. I, I mean, it's 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 like it's like Borat, where it's like real people's reactions to them being crazy. But yeah, it's very cringy. Um, it's fun, I guess. <laughs> Ezra, what have you been watching? Somehow, Ezra's gonna have a long a list, long eighty-hour list. I truly don't know how you have time to watch all of these things. Um, Go on, Ezra. Very depressed. No, I've been falling down a hole of just wanting to watch neon-soaked movies about how sex is scary. Um, and I don't really know why. Um, okay. But so I watched a movie called Bear that sucks. I watched a movie called White Girl that sucks. I watched a movie called Una that is Rooney Mara, Riz Ahmed, and Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, and so I was really excited. It's based on a, a, a Tony Award-winning play. It is about a, a woman played by Rooney Mara who, when she was 13... Uh, slept with a adult man played by Ben Mendelsohn and now as an adult she's come back to find him uh, and you think it's to get revenge and it's actually because she fell in love with him uh, written and directed by straight men uh, and you can tell um, uh, question Ezra because I know the way that you watch things these these movies that you you've been watching that suck do you watch the whole film no great that's how you do it then so you watch like half the film and then turn it off and start another half of yeah. a film Right. See, that's how that, they do it. Yeah, that gives me anxiety. I need to finish. I, yes, same. Um, you just live with anxiety, baby. That's just how you how you roll. Um, and then uh, Chandler came over on Friday, and we watched weirdly sober as a judge. We watched the Wachowski sisters' uh, seminal 2008 film oh, Speed yes. Racer. Oh is- yes, yes. I can't remember past two days ago. A masterpiece. Um, Sound racers. Really, really sound racer, speed racer, really, really, really good. The Wachowskis know exactly what that film needs to be and make that film exactly what it is. Uh, it's oh, so good. And then I, uh, the listeners may may or may not know, know this, but I often will have a couple of directors who are like my little project who I'm trying to watch all of their films. 
Uh, right now, it is uh, William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist. I'm trying to catch up on all of his his films. Uh, and so Olivia and I follow in Killer Joe, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, William Friedkin and Tracy Letts' second collaboration. We watched Bug, uh, which is about a couple who is based on Tracy Letts' award-winning play. Uh, we, If you went to theater school, you've seen like nine different scenes from an acting class, and they all were terrible. Um, it is about a couple who kind of fall into this very toxic codependent relationship. Uh, and one of them believes that he is being watched by the government and his partner kind of ends up going along with it and they kind of lose their minds. Um, uh, one of the best like psychological horror films I've seen in a long time, real fucked up, real creepy, uh, but highly recommend it. Uh, and then Olivia and I watched uh, Follow That Up. We needed a sort of palate cleanser. So we followed up with uh, a movie on Netflix called Crimson Peak, which is one of the best films I've seen in months. Um, it is by Guillermo del Toro, who is a director who I kind of famously yeah. don't like. Um, but Crimson Peak is his attempt to make a like 1940s style gothic horror film. And he's like, I wanted to see, could I make a romance? And there's just like three scenes in it that are scary. And so it is just Mia Wachowski and uh, falling in love with Tom Hiddleston. And then she goes to live with him in his sort of castle. Because he's an English. Who Wachowski? What? Who Wachowski? Mia Wachowski. Oh, Wachowski. I thought you said Wachowski. I was like, the Wachowski sisters act now? No. Um, but so she uh, plays a, a sort of young American girl from a good family. Uh, the only thing about her is she can see ghosts. Um, and so it's kind of like a intellectual ghost story. It is one of the most beautiful visual films I've seen in years. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's just a really good time. Really re- recommend. Uh, I watched Minari, which we've talked about. I watched a movie called The Canyon. Jesus that stars Lindsay Lohan and noted porn actor and rapist James Dean. Um, Wait, James Dean? Like the porn actor, not like the... Okay, not the... Okay. <laughs> okay, I was like, whoa. Yeah, he's he's still alive and Lindsay Lohan's acting with him. Yeah, that's why I was, so I was confused. Like, what? And it was yeah, about so. this couple who like to fuck on camera essentially and it's like a you know neon soap isn't sex scary um i love a good erotic thriller this screenplay is dreadful it's written by a racist uh but you know whatever uh and then we follow that up with watching alexander by oliver stone that is um so oliver stone is one of my favorite directors he's an absolute maniac uh and alexander was I don't know if people remember, but after the Lord of the Rings came out, everyone was trying to make their own Lord of the Rings. And so every movie studio just started greenlighting all of these like high fantasy epics that like kind of all bombed. And so Oliver Stone got them to greenlight a four hour Alexander the Great biopic that is actually just a critique of the Bush administration. And so it is just like Alexander the Great as a metaphor for the war in Iraq. Okay. Was <laughs> it, it good? It's it doesn't need to be four hours. I'll say that. It could easily be two. Nothing needs to be four hours. Um, it's also a Netflix. I recommend watching it. It is good. You are like, okay, Oliver, we could cut all these scenes. And there's also a lot of like gay sex that's clearly directed and acted oh. by straight people. 
I watched this in history class in school. Really? Nah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wild. Good movie. Yeah, it was fun. Nah. Uh, and then last night I watched Femme Fatale, which is another there's one of my... More? One of my oh, there's also the TV shows I've watched. Uh, Femme- oh my god. Play a video game or something. I do. I am playing a video game. Uh, then there's... What game? I'm playing the L.A. Noir. You know this. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Femme Fatale, which is by De- uh, Brian De Palma, who's another one of my sort of projects. Um, not a good movie, but does feature my favorite trope, which is a blonde bisexual woman fucking people and then killing them. Uh, and then it also features Antonio Banderas as a borderline offensive gay paparazzi member. Uh, and then television-wise, um, you know, it can't always be movies. Um, HBO recently added The Nanny, which is a sitcom from the 90s that everyone's, all the all the fags have been watching. And so as a fellow fag, I have joined in. Uh, you know, it's just a family. You're contractually obligated. It's just a family sitcom from the 90s that's just like 22 minutes, laugh track, aren't people funny, brainless. I love watching it. And then the big show that I really want to talk about is I've been watching another one of my director projects is Steven Soderbergh, um, who actually incidentally is directing this year's Oscars. Um, but he made a t- he retired from movies a couple years ago and was like, I'm done directing movies. And then now is directing movies again. But he decided to instead just go direct 20 episodes of a television program. Um, that was his form of retirement. So he made a movie, uh, a TV show rather, called The Nick that is on HBO um, that stars Clive Owen of Children of Men fame and Andre Holland of Moonlight. It is about a hospital in New York in the sort of early 1900s as they are inventing modern surgery. Um, and it became kind of known for its incredibly accurate and gory depictions of turn of the century surgery, because this was before they knew to wear gloves. And so it's just like, oh. and like their prosthetic work is incredible when you just see them like cutting flaps of skin off people and shit and just like no. drenched in blood. And it's, you know, no. but Clive Owen, he's a genius surgeon, but he's also a cocaine addict and what's he's going to do. And if you ever wanted to see Clive Owen inject cocaine into his penis, uh, this is a, a show that will give you that in the first episode. So, you know, the Nick. Why would you do that? Uh, because all his other veins closed up because he was injecting them too often. Tough. Yikes. Tough, tough, tough. Yikes. So yeah, that's what all I'm right. Watching. All right, great. That was very long. What an episode. <laughs> what an episode. Again, if you made it to the end you deserve an Oscar from us to you. Congratulations. Next week, we will be covering the first and final version of A Star is Born from 1934? Question mark? I think it's 1934. Um, So give that a watch. Starring... Janet Gaynor. I had to think of that for a second. And I don't know the male character, actor, because... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's all about the women. So give that a watch so you can be informed for our next episode. Follow us on Instagram at htbn.podcast and comment your favorite movie from 2020 slash what you want to see win at the Oscars on Sunday on our post for this episode 
Give us um, a rating and review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Any final words, friends? And our Oscars React should come out Monday or Tuesday. Yes. yes. We need to plan that off off record because this episode is no, we're gonna do it long enough. So whose apartment do we want to go to? <laughs> and everyone drop your addies. <laughs> your addies. And your social security number. All mm-hmm. right. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.